All right, episode 105. Thank you guys for joining us on today's episode. We have Tom Taylor, a.k.a. Movement Power, because he provides that power to the movement athletes out there. He's coached and provided conditioning programs for many of the best parkour athletes in the world, like Ed Scott and Tim Champion and Joseph Henderson, to name a few. And we do discuss some of that programming and the strategies he uses and that conversation. But mostly what we talk about in this conversation is the rebellious nature of parkour and how it plays into the whole socio-economic and political conversation and just why it's valuable and why we um, want to hold on to that. And he's got some really interesting views on it. I really love this conversation. He's got some awesome content, so be sure to go into the description and view everything that he's doing because he's doing some original awesome things. And I hope you guys like this as much as I did. Enjoy. So we have Tom Taylor joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being a part of this one. And like I was just saying, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, yeah, all good, man. Just starting to trying to start the year off well, you know. It's um, trying to swerve the sickness and everything, and uh, trying to train despite the weather right now in England, especially down here in the south. Just wet all the time. Oh, really? Windy. Yeah. <laughs> both yeah uh, those are getting away oh my god we got snow right now in colorado and so there's really not much mm -hmm. to to do in the ways of outside training either but we get some good days too um yeah yeah um you guys have got a lot of gyms though right you've got a lot well, of indoor spaces to use we you know i guess we do we i don't really train as often indoors these days um just because I've been, you know, as, as I've gotten older, I don't know how old you are. How old are you right now? I'm 32. 32. Okay. So same age, roughly I'm 33. I just, uh, I train tend to, when I train indoors, I tend to want to just lift and like just do conditioning and supplementary stuff and then save like more of my, cause I don't, my knees and my joints and things, they don't give me like unlimited bandwidth. You know what I mean? I don't know how it is for you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so if I'm going to train, I like to train outside. I just feel happier that way and it kind of kills, but yeah, there is some great indoor spaces here. I just don't typically, I like, I like to save myself for the, <laughs> for the outdoors, which actually kind of ties in maybe into a little bit of kind of the reason why, you know, we started chatting it up. Um, you were listening in, I think to the Nate Weston episode and we started talking about how the parkour, uh, you know, our practice can influence the zeitgeist of like our, generation and you had an interesting take on it and i didn't know you know how much you um have thought about all these things and I, you know this is a new part of you that i'm seeing so can you explain a little bit about you know these reality or experience tunnels and you know where where you started in that journey and in, in developing these theories because it sounds like you're writing some essays and you're doing some really cool things yeah yeah i'm kind of been thinking about this stuff for quite a long time um, I mean, alongside parkour, like uh, I was always into uh, politics and philosophy and mm. kind of on the uh, on the fringes as well, like uh, read a lot of kind of broad, broader, you could probably describe them as like anarchist stuff, like a lot of um, zines and like different different things online that I got into after I think I sort of really funny way of getting into it. Um, do you know, uh, do you know Henry David Thoreau? Do you know that guy? Wrote I Walden know of him. Yeah, I know of that. You yeah, know, like I know just the 
the mainstream like whispers yeah. but i don't i don't know him i don't think i like can, okay like, yeah so he, he he was quite like uh oh i knew this, his favorite quote of mine or his favorite quote mm -hmm. yeah is a thousand are hacking at the branches of evil with to everyone striking at the root or something to that effect right and i did i do that's, that's one thing i remembered of his that i liked yeah yeah he uh so that, that i think that was probably the, the most influential person for me like when i was younger mm. um he wrote civil disobedience and i found I, I came across that really weird way i was watching the tv one day and there was a part of like an old western i say old western it's probably made in the 70s or something <laughs> um like one of these tv shows um i didn't know the name of it at the time and there was a part of it where they like described uh civil disobedience like the essay written by him um and it was basically saying you know you've got kind of a moral obligation to disobey any law which is uh, immoral you know the outcome if the outcome or the, the kind of um the foundation of it is immoral and you determine it to be then uh, it's kind of your 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 duty as a as a moral person you know as a as an actor in the world to to disobey that law and that was the foundation of like i think he he wrote that um justifying his positions on uh, like abolition of slavery and mm. uh, a bunch of other things. He, he, I think he went to prison for a, probably a short period of time. Uh, Sounds like he would. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he refused to pay. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> he refused to pay like an income tax or something because he was saying like, you know, I'm propping up this oh, yeah. this state that that's uh, involved with that. So that kind of uh, drew me into it. Actually, fairly recently, I found out that that was an episode of like Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. So, uh, <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went on Reddit and was like, oh, I remember this. I distinctly remember this scene that put me to this book. Oh, wow. Um, when I was a kid, I, I was probably like 13 or 14. I read that and uh, then I read like, you know, the classic kind of stuff like 1984 and a bunch of other stuff. And it kind of was the window into reading more more politics and mm. and, and eventually philosophy. And then I've, I've kind of gone on to read like classics um, and a lot of different a lot of different stuff um and yeah like uh, always had these kind of sensibilities that uh kind of led me more towards um I, I've, I've always been kind of biased towards like freedom the, the ideas of freedom and liberty and the idea of like individual responsibility and that sort of thing yeah. um but i've always had like quite i would say um left-leaning sensibilities as well like fairly you know, I don't have like the social conservatism that goes along with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, you tend to in in the US in particular, I think, especially these days and how divided things are, mm -hmm. you you tend to have you know uh, uh, any any kind of um, anyone talking about liberty and freedom uh, is also um, quite socially conservative. It seems. You know, they're, they're, yeah, it is very odd of... in a way because there is that like it's almost a stereotype or a caricature of like that point of view. And maybe I don't know. I'm I'm curious about the bias, like why that happens, because I know that I know people in my life that are not so one dimensional or, you know, they're more nuanced in mm -hmm. there and where they lie on either side of these issues. And you couldn't, mm. uh, you know, cut one and then be able to cut all the other ones and ha like down. Does that make sense? Like if you identify one person's position here, <clears throat> it's not so simple as now, you know, there are positions all across, you know, hundreds or dozens of other issues. But 
for whatever reason it is still the stereotype and it is like the people that are most vocal do seem to be mm-hmm. th- that uh <laughs> of that yeah camp. yeah absolutely uh and um here in the uk uh growing up i i kind of saw um i, w- I would say like the the development and finally the um bit of establishment of like a, a kind of safety culture we have this really uh, we have we have like here we have like health and safety legislation when you get kicked off of a spot here if you're training they'll say you know very much along the everybody says the same thing because pretty much the the law is established in the same way across the board and uh you know it's it's an easy way for them to say you need to leave yeah, um it's always liability because, right it's our liability yes yeah, it's, it's your safety really exactly yeah um even though you know demonstrably from because in the uk we're we're like uh i'm not sure if it's still the case but we were i know the most kind of we had the most coverage of cctv in like uh in i think in the world at least in europe oh, yeah. so you're you're kind of always in view <laughs> of some camera whether that's a private camera or whether it's run by your local council or or something along those lines um so even though demonstrably from that footage they could see um, you're not using this space as it's intended, you know which which I mean arguably you could say there's no way we could we could sue you if we got injured because we're clearly doing something that's like we're not, <laughs> <laughs> not what the space is intended for like um, but yeah so I've seen this I've seen this happen uh, and yeah that that's kind of led me led me towards this this kind of outlook that I have now. Um, and, and yeah, I see parkour as, as a kind of a, I, I really want to like reclaim um, or, or at least underline the subversive nature of parkour because mm-hmm. as, as we, as we um, had more mainstream uh, like recognition and as institutions are beginning to establish themselves. So, you know, we have, we have um, obviously like, you know the the kind of gymnastics interest looking at us and wanting to regulate us um we also have you know uh, grassroots ones and um and kind of like i don't know medium level uh guys that might be on the periphery of um of the community that are are kind of attempting to to um create institutions that you know to kind of protect the sport or to raise standards in coaching and that, and those yeah, kind of yeah. things and whilst that's all all great for people that are trying to make a living, and I, I understand like there does need to be that aspect because we exist, you know, the circumstances we're in, we need to make money in order to survive, and that, that's great. Um, and and uh, you know, more power to anybody doing that for sure, like coaching yeah. or anything along those lines. But um, what that does though is it it kind of brings in this idea that we have to be respectable, that we have to be. Um, I don't know, uh, have to subscribe to how we're supposed to be seen. You know, you can't do anything too reckless or risky. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've, I've heard from the story guys, them, you know, really wrestling with the fact that they've been told by people, you know, if, uh, if my child sees what you're doing and they copy what you do um, and they hurt themselves, that's your responsibility. Like they've been told that by people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, 100%. And, and and so yeah, it brings about this question of like, uh, what's 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 the usefulness of the subversive and like rebellious element of the sport? Because really, it it, it came out of 
quite a uh, quite like so like imagine this you have a bunch of guys all from pro pretty much they all they all their families come from uh, parts of the world that were colonized by France they find themselves living in the suburbs of Paris in a really horrible area because mm. I've been there it's horrible yeah. <laughs> it's not a nice place but, like the brutalist nice. it's called brutalist architecture it's it's not known yeah. for its tenderness yeah, that's yeah. for sure yeah but not even that like just well yeah you know, the, just, the pov it's poverty a, of the it's area an absolute you know? yeah it's a yeah yeah and so so these people find themselves in this circumstance where you know they're um not only are they in a position where they they have very little power in the um society they live within mm. but also they are kind of oppressed by this architecture around them and you know which tells them you need to walk in this direction you need to follow these pathways but because of the nature of that, they found a way to exploit it and subvert its use to, to strengthen themselves, to empower themselves and to, to, um, to escape uh, the, the paths they're being led down. You see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. this is like, I'm talking about this figuratively and actually physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, you know? yeah 100%. <laughs> um, and I don't, and I think a lot of the time, you know, we can get philosophical about the sport and talk about, oh, you know, um, uh, it, it's taught me to overcome obstacles in the rest of my life and all this kind of stuff. But I feel like that's really missing a, a, the, the kind of social political aspect of it as well, which is, you know, you, you find yourself almost boxed in circumstantially. And um, the, the essay that I, the part of the essay that I sent, yeah. I, um, I speak about more and more now in, in society because um we, we have this strange um, this strange combination of the state and um, corporate entities as well, kind of, uh, kind of curating our experiences. Um, so in, in, the, in the scope of the state, you have, you know, um, you go to school, uh, you follow the curriculum, then you might go to higher education, you go to work, your home life is very dictated and then, uh, you know, you might escape that um, through fantasy. So that, that those, those fantasy areas would be the digital space, um, you know, video games, mm -hmm. media, that sort of thing. Or you might go on holiday. And this is, this is everyday reality for the vast majority of people living in the West, mm -hmm. living in, you know, um, kind of the, the English-speaking countries and, and a lot of the more developed nations. And, and in my mind, it's uh nations that are captured by um nations that are captured by a um combination of uh interests that that are being being served uh yeah come, come, sorry uh they they're kind of um they're captured by 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 states and corporations that that work in tandem because they serve each other's interests is what i mean to say so um yeah, and so so what I was saying there is, you know, a lot of the time when you when you're um, in your life, when you're experiencing life, you have you ever looked back at parts of your life where you you feel um, you were looking at things a certain way, and that's how you experience reality. Yeah, um, and that was reality to you at the time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's you know there's sayings that go along with that. Your perspective is your perception is your reality you know is a famous one but yeah i, I absolutely mm -hmm. agree it's like you can 
there is an extent of like to what you're aware of and conscious of. And that was kind of what the last little height drop line was about is just like, that is your pen. That's your play pen. And, Mm -hmm. and, and until you completely dissolve those boundaries or until you really push them, you're, you're in a way caged, uh, even if it's in your own mind. Um, just based mm-hmm. on the information and the perspective that you can have, because you can't have certain perspectives until something, you know, changes the the way you view it, or you know, mind altering drugs for some people, or or experiences yeah, like parkour yeah. and and practices that can, you know, really open things up for you. But absolutely, yeah, I, know, so I know what you mean. I I think what what happens is uh, people find themselves in in kind of an every, everyday cycle. Um, and living these lives that are safe and predictable because uh, kind of predictable behavior um, and profitable behavior is kind of the lifeblood of these these systems we find ourselves with. Uh, they're the lifeblood of corporate life. You know, investors want to make safe investments that are predictable, right? Yeah. Um, they want you to behave respectably. They want you to behave within the bounds of, you know, um, what their particular corporate culture is. And in the same way in the political, in the political sphere, in the political sphere, in the um, kind of social contract sense of things, you know, you want to behave predictably because, you know, um, taking taking big risks can have quite big consequences, both for the individual and maybe for a community or for, you know, people that happen to be there. You know, have you ever looked at a jump uh, with some consequence and has have you ever had anybody have a go at you and oh, yeah. tell you off? You know, you might you could have you landed on me and, and killed someone. me. It's like yeah i've heard that yeah. for sure yeah and um and and i think uh what parkour represents in these circumstances is a is a true escape from from these um dictated courses um within within society mm. um and uh yeah I, I think the reason for that is because we get to put ourselves in a position where we are truly contending with risk and truly like experiencing danger at quite a high degree like quite you know there are, there are large consequences to, to some of the things that we're doing there are like big consequences mm-hmm. and the, the the actual experience that we're having is quite extreme um and a lot of the time in society the the um you're directed towards experiences that are that are um again predictable profitable so they're going to be within this kind of narrow um, you might get excited about something, yeah. but you're never going to have a, a truly visceral embodied reaction, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, in someone's day-to-day life, unless they've got some sort of anxiety disorder or something along those lines, when is ever, any, anyone ever really going to feel that fear in the pit of their stomach? You know, if, if society is doing its job, right. As, it, as it's supposed to. And if their, if their job is, is a safe job, if um, like I say, here in the UK, we have this, all this legislation around, what you can and can't do in in, in your workplace. Yeah. For example, um, I could have been disciplined. I, I worked for a large corporation here. I could have been disciplined um, and and eventually uh, let go from a job for not holding the handrail as I walked down the stairs. <laughs> it's, like that, that's it's absolutely absurd. Yeah. Um, and well, and, and that it- that is. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just like, it just comes down to that personal responsibility that sort of, and we could call it a bias because obviously on the other hand, you have safety, you know, mm-hmm. there's like this, I think freedom and 
safety are kind of like the the scales that you're balancing in this kind of question is like okay well how much you know how much do you value the ability to make your own choices versus how much do you want someone looking out for you and yeah yeah it's, I, it's I, odd that like i think there's go ahead sorry go on no you're good go ahead i, was... I, I think there's um there's there's definitely like you know, it's it's a very understandable thing in society to 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 want to make things safe for people and to want to um, you know, uh, design things so that that people don't get hurt. But there there is a and that that certainly works in the short term. Mm -hmm. But there, there's a long term consequence to that. Yeah. Which is um people people who are who never encounter risk, people mm -hmm. who never encounter danger, are then far more vulnerable exactly. when. The real when real life actually happens yeah it's it becomes nerfed to the point where they become impotent or like incapable of it doesn't scale is the way i just thought of it too it's just like you can't actually make the world safe in every way that someone wants it to be because then people are just going to keep asking and it's an impossible mm -hmm. task for any organism to like to even it's, it's hard enough just for you to do it for your own life to make it the way you want it to and like safe enough, you know, in some ways, but yeah, for, so then it, you get these ridiculous handrail laws because it's like, no one wants to be held accountable because the whole premise is almost a rejection of responsibility and, and yeah, instead absolutely. of an adoption of this responsibility. And so then by continuing to pass the buck further and further along, it's like, Hey, you can work here, but you can't, you got to use the handrail because I'm not going to get like canned for this or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's such a strange thing that that ultimately doesn't scale. And I think that's um, definitely pivotal for our time right now, especially everything that's going on with, with the virus and the certain things that mm -hmm. are being exposed in terms of just like, how well does that system work when we <clears throat> are not empowered as individuals? it just it you know it's at least worth the question of just positing it's like well is it is it actually going to be better yeah it's going to be hard for us to all have a, a basic understanding of our our health maybe for example because we used to just defer everything to the doctor or to the you know whatever mm -hmm. it is but by adopting your your own kind of responsibility and a role in your healthcare, a little bit more responsibility at least than than is currently kind of the standard it might actually just scale a lot better because then pe people are expected to actually be participatory in their own, you know, vitality mm -hmm. for, you know, <laughs> and yeah, look, and, and as well, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely don't feel that like I feel, um, expertise and, uh, you know, high level knowledge that, that people have generated, like I'm absolutely on board with that. And, and I, I think, yeah. you know, those, that, that sort of thing, but that's, I think that's in somebody giving you guidance from a, from a, um, an informed perspective mm -hmm. is, is in, entirely different than someone that has, um, quite often a, you know, a financial interest in, uh, in attempting to, to corral you into like some space or some decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, cause they're going to want those, freedom too. Those... Like people want freedom, but if you're willing yeah. to sell your freedom in exchange for some safety, then you're going to make some people that are, they are also seeking freedom, right? These, um, yeah. these, you know, huge corporate organizations and their ties with the government, they're trying to do what they can to influence policies and stuff so they can be more free, mm -hmm. but well, they're doing it. Yeah. There's a, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. There, yeah. There's, there's a story. Um, there's a, there's a big history of that really in, <clears throat> in, um, the advancement of 
well, what is often called neoliberalism, and mm. you know that under under that umbrella is tons of stuff. Like it's, it's a whole other thing to go into, right? Okay. But essentially, what what happened um, from my perspective and what, from what I've read as well is that a lot of the um, kind of burge- burgeoning, like kind of uh, liberty um, focused philosophy and and um, and perspectives that came out of the the nineteenth century were kind of co-opted by these uh, these corporate interests that were like, oh yeah, individual rights, yeah that's yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> individual rights for for us, for corporations, yeah. not for like ed, like the everyday person. And and so so what you found was yeah like um, and this is why now so much it goes along with um, social conservatism and and also um, you know the, the term free trade is is applied to corporations. It's not applied to everyday people. It's not saying oh you get to voluntarily um, exchange value with like the person down the street from you. Yeah. It, that's not what free trade is about. It's about like these, uh, these multinational corporations being able to, uh, and, and states being able to, um, you know, uh, reduce tariffs or, 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 you know, kind of trade with each other and, and, and skirt around different laws mm. and, and, and some things in that way. So um, yeah, uh, I, I think, I, I think, yeah, there's been there's been kind of a hijacking of a lot of the the underpinning philosophy behind that, um, and 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 we're now seeing the we're now seeing the the effects of that. And m- moreover, like now you're seeing um, the establishment of things like Meta, um, and Metaverse, mm-hmm. um, and in in Web three in Web three point or Web three, um, which is like a new emerging technology that was supposed to be revolutionary decentralized and all this kind of thing but um, now we're seeing it's becoming captured it's becoming captured by these these corporate interests and um one of the things i wanted to talk about okay i'm so disillusioned with crypto like i'm so i'm I'm, everybody's so excited about it and i I understand you're making money great you're doing you're doing bits for yourself and Mm -hmm. and i'm sure i'm sure you've you've got some interest in it like um, and it's it's great. Like I, I like to see people doing well and and uh, taking an interest in. But it really, if if all you're doing with it is is day trading, <laughs> if all you're doing with it is uh, making financial investments, like when 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 Bitcoin first came out, when the white papers were released, and like I was in these spaces back in 2008 when uh-huh. when it, it, you know it was gaining some traction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it, the. What it what it promised at the time was 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 quite revolutionary, decentralizing and taking power away from central banks and stuff. And mm-hmm. how long has it been? It's been over a decade. And uh, I mean, we're seeing some we're seeing some advance. Like, yeah, with the promise of Web three is interesting, and NFTs are interesting. But my 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 worry is um, the the kind of uh, People thinking that they're being revolutionary, but they're actually just—they're actually just paying into the same circumstances, just under uh, under um, underneath it. So, you know, people—I see this with parkour as well. Like, people feel like they're being subversive and revolutionary, or not revolutionary, but rebellious, maybe. Who yeah. doing parkour? Um, but but are you really? Are you? Are you yeah, are you not like... just. Um, yeah, no, I know exactly. What, well, I actually don't know what exactly what you mean. Please go on, but I think I know. What you mean. <laughs> well, well, if you're if all you're doing with parkour when you're creating parkour media, if all you're doing is feeding the algorithm, 
Mm, and exactly. I get, I get, exactly. I get why the algorithm, man. That's why I was going with it. It's just like, yeah. How much has our culture been co-opted just by Instagram and you know YouTube algorithms? It's certainly yeah, a fraction. I'm, I'm saying... It's certainly a fraction. Like it's certainly taken attention, you know, and it's part of the game, right? To an extent, yeah. like you have to play to you know to advance, you know. So there's always a little bit of a. Again, there's always just two. You could be incredibly rebellious and then incredibly ineffectual if you're, if mm-hmm. you're just shouting, you know, in complete opposite direction of where everyone is. But you can yeah. also, yeah, yeah, for sure. It takes. I, I think. Um, I, I think what's what's what happens, um, yeah. So, you I, I, and I, like I say, I get it. I get yeah. like playing the game because you want to make a living. Like people are really grasping at straws, like uh, not grasping at straws, but really people are like ambitious. They're motivated. They want to do what they love for a living. Mm-hmm. But if if what if if doing what you love for a living turns into you rolling down in the deep and <laughs> slapping slapping girls ass, like slapping your girlfriend's ass but pretending she's some random girl and doing a flip and doing all this yeah. kind of stuff you you're you're like this is not this is not <laughs> this is not subvert, subverting anything you're not you're not you're not truly truly um putting yourself in these extreme circumstances and and truly stepping out of these these um uh these spaces that the you know the um the kind of curated spaces that the that yeah there's there's kind of, a there's a like for do you is it experience tunnel or reality tunnel because i wasn't sure which term do you like better so initially i was saying reality tunnel yeah um because like i like i say I, you know I, I kind of sectioned it off into two i'd say you've got the um you've, you've got the, the 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 everyday reality tunnel which is you know oh, your yeah. work life and your home life and school and everything along those lines yeah, yeah. and then you have some reprieve from that some escape from that through fantasy but again you're playing video games who are the video games made by who are the, who are the investors for the video games yeah you're it's not, you know it's, you're, you're I mean, on it you can do a lot of things but it's yeah it's a it's a world that within a world and it's not limitless it's, yeah, not, it's at least you know derivative of this world that you actually live mm-hmm. in so you're gonna have less that you could do inside the video game <laughs> yeah and 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 so with with instagram um and with with I've, really, I'm talking about creating art, and I'm talking about um, creating media. I'm talking yeah. about um, things that you can do in, you know, in in this technology space as well. Um, so, is there is there some way that you can find to um, play the game to some level, but also use that playing of the game to subvert the game? Yeah. Because I really think the the problem is, you know, if you if you truly sell your soul in that way <laughs> if you truly forget you know um don't make anything that's truly meaningful to yourself mm-hmm. um truly meaningful like truly expressive or truly different or um unique and 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 if you're not if, if you if you're somebody who thinks that you're against a lot of the uh a lot of, a lot of the kind of corporatism that yeah that is, is coming in like if you're if you're someone who's puts yourself put postures yourself as someone who's against that a lot of people in crypto for example posture themselves as being against the mainstream but they are truly only serving the interests of <laughs> like uh, uh the finance industry a lot of the time mm-hmm. because you're you're playing you're playing their game by trading you're, you're playing their game and I, I understand that you're um you're uh kind of reinforcing the value of of 
uh, a technology that has the potential to subvert things but you want is there something else you could do you know what i mean like maybe you could kind of partially do that and then maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know do something else with it well yeah, there's a lot of questions i have um i guess one thing i just wanted to dive a little bit deeper on that like how is it similar to how is it still serving the finance industries in the same way and can you give an example more of just like i i get it but i haven't like it's not clear in my head still like how i i think i know what you're talking about but yeah <clears throat> well but i would love if you have um, you articulate just like how is it not different basically than what already exists by investing in crypto because yeah just well maybe maybe if you, <laughs> if you could. yeah um so like Okay, a lot of the, 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 the kind of financial industry is, uh, is really uh, propped up by subsidy. Um, mm. And there are large investors, there are large players in the game. Mm. And uh, I, I mean, I did you see what happened with like Wall Street bets on, on Reddit and that sort no, of thing? No, I didn't. There was, there, was a, there was a community of people on Reddit that um, were kind of, they were just playing around really um with with trading um they were using apps like robin hood and a bunch of other um different ones that that were kind of retail end um trading apps you know you get adverts for this all the time on, yeah. on instagram and stuff hey are you into uh, on youtube it happens all the time right you into trading get this app and we'll let you practice on our fake one and then you can go in oh, and yeah. do the real one um and people People then are kind of tricked into, I think anyway, they're kind of tricked into invo involving themselves in, in what essentially is gambling. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and, you know, the house always wins in those circumstances, right? Unless you get super lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah, I and, would say I, it's very easy to get swept into, like you're saying, it's, it's, and even, okay, there's, I think, two things here that are making, basically, you're, you're still, um, you're not working against, yourself in a way you're not really working against uh these again all this with the caveat only if you want to identify as someone who's like subversive and against these things if you mm -hmm. don't if you're like if you're on board with all yeah. them then fine like there's no yeah there's yeah. no uh uh contradiction there but but the one thing is just the whole the whole premise of it even with the crypto culture that i've noticed is just it's still buying into the same kind of value structure which is get rich, don't share it with anybody and like take care of you and yours because it's fucking dog eat dog world out here. And like, you know what I mean? Like that there's not really anything happening yeah. subversively or like transformative. It's not very transformative in the culture. Cause it's still basically just like, you see these rich asshole fat cats on wall street. You could be one of those guys in crypto. And it's like, that's kind of part of the mm -hmm. culture is just like, yeah, you could like, they're getting rich, but you should be the one. It's like, okay, there's, <clears throat> and they're always going to have like this institutional money is going to be so dwarfing to anything that you can do that you're going to be pushed and pulled around in this game much. Um, it, it's just, it takes a lot yeah. of energy to, to even, you know, be remotely successful. And then in being successful, you're still probably not going to be as successful as that's just how money works. If you have already loads of it to throw around, it's pretty easy to make moves that, you know, if you can influence markets, et cetera. So I get, I think those mm -hmm. are the two things. It's like one, there's a value structure thing. And then two, it's still the money game. Like it's kind of the same thing. It's just these, when you're playing money games, 
in, in, in a way that is sort of, and, and blockchain does offer, like you said, opportunities for this to spread out and mm -hmm. for power to be more decentralized throughout the people. Yeah. But yeah, human nature is such that, you know, it's still, yeah, yet, we're still captured by this in some ways. Yeah. And yet to impress me in some ways for sure of just like how subversive really, how transformative is this? Is it, you know, mm -hmm. is it what it claims to be? It definitely takes a second look to, to fully understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there really like that. That is, that's, that's partially what I was trying to get at, I think. And, and also the game is, is absolutely rigged still because there are larger players within, um, within the world of crypto and stuff that, that have far more influence over the, you know, direction mm. in which it's going than anybody else. And also, if you're only treating the technology as, yeah, something to get rich from, mm -hmm. rather than you know, um, rather than trying to to build things with it, um, then how involved are you really? And mm -hmm. and are you really uh, this kind of uh, techno anarchist that you think <laughs> you are, or are you <laughs> yeah. are you um, are you just a day trading millennial? Like yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how I've kind of described it in the past, like. That that's what it is, um, and it, yeah, it's, it's the same for it's the same for a lot of media that's coming out now, um, and uh, which you know on the face of it is you know it, it kind of postures itself as um, new and revolutionary, but, but the same old interests uh, and the same old kind of ideas, ideologies, and, and things are are behind it. Mm. Um, but yeah, really, I, I think um, what I wanted to say was uh, like. Things like parkour are like extreme experiences. Um, when you're when you're really viscerally um, reacting to reality, when you're when you're really pushed outside of of um, having anybody looking after you, when you push yourself into those positions, like you look when you're stood at the edge of a jump and you're looking over and you're contemplating your own mortality. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a really extreme thing to do, <laughs> but um, truly, like you, you you're um, you're outside of the scope of these these controlling uh, these <laughs> these kind of controlling factors in in society that and that's why they don't want, that's why a lot of people don't want you to do it you know that's why uh, yeah I, I feel like that that that's a and and uh, and a lot a lot of the reasons like in in the UK we had um, large co coaching companies and regulatory bodies that want to position parkour as like a very respectable thing to do mm. being. And it, and you know it's it's great it's inclusive everyone can do it everyone should you know it, it should be for everybody it should be performed at all different levels you know it, it doesn't necessarily have to be this really extreme thing mm -hmm. but but I, I I want to I want to like emphasize the point that 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 aspect of our culture is really is really important to to keep and it's important to to represent it. Mm. Um, and uh and it, and it is a subversive thing and um and we, and we really need to like hold on to that and and push that out there and i think you know uh like stora have done a really good job of that they, mm -hmm. they've, they've they've kind of pushed that forward in, in a lot of ways and uh nate as well um and and you know they're, they're really high-end guys but I, I think um a lot of the time when we're when we are talking to new people that are coming into the sport and we say to them oh it's very safe <laughs> you know 
It's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not safe. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> and a that's weird... a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the best part about it in many ways. Yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you, man, 100%. I think like, yeah, you just fired up my brain in a way. I was just thinking like, whoa, this is like what I th was trying to speak to. I think when I talked about the zeitgeist with Nate is just like parkour in a way has this truly you empowering sort of opportunity, this extreme opportunity that because it's, and it, again, this it's probably available in all other types of things, but because it's just you and your body, it's just, it is so visceral. And it's, and because you have so much control, you know, when you're on a skateboard or if you're on different, uh, you know, apparatus or things like that, there's just more variables. It's hard. It starts to cloud. I think this little um, nugget that we're talking about here, which is this ability to really confront almost metaphysics, you know, and philosophy in your practice and mm -hmm. to the point of like even exposing yourself to complete, you know, mortality and death and mm -hmm. scenarios that you don't necessarily get in other sports because I mean, climbing free solo, you know, mm -hmm. stuff. And we're seeing that crossover. You know, I think one of the people that is fascinating in this conversation right now is Leo urban. I don't know if you're following him and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and his gang, I don't know who else he's the one that is the most uh, kind of prominent, I guess, in that group right now. But is it, is he part of the blacklist guys? I don't even know. But anyways, they're climbing with the famous, uh, Alain Robert, the, the human spider-man mm -hmm. and he was one of the first people to really pioneer that rebellious spirit not one of the first i guess but he was one of the more contemporary versions of that mm -hmm. that's kind of like super interesting because yeah it's 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 very subversive and mm -hmm. it was probably yeah, even more subversive when he was doing it now it's like almost yeah. he's like passing the baton to these younger guys and we'll see what you know what happens and but mm -hmm. <clears throat> anyhow i just wanted to bring those guys up and it just feels it feels like that's why I'm, I'm I'm curious about, you know, is parkour unique in, the, in that way? And it does it mm. actually offer it because it can't be monetized so easily because there's no equipment and things, you know, these, these obstacles in our sport do still again, provide like these great, it keeps it pure in some ways and it keeps it like actually m more powerful than if it were yeah. to get like easily adopted into, you know, these more, whatever the reality yeah i, I want i want times. both to happen you know yeah i want it to be mainstreamed but i also want to keep those oh yeah the, exactly subversive element of the of the culture i want to keep that rebelliousness there but mm. we can have the respectable end that's great yeah but 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 i i, I really want to emphasize you know there's another there's another area there's a another um perspective uh within what we do that, mm. that's, that's extreme and subversive and rebellious and we need to keep that and we need to stop stop treating that like that's our like dirty secret <laughs> it really isn't yeah it really isn't it's like uh, like you say it's, it's a part of the what makes parkour so powerful because actually if there's not a lot of money in it that that's that's a position to leverage really mm -hmm. because you know um we don't have people we don't have like investors behind us when you have people like trying to make safe bets off of you this happens in media all the time especially oh, yeah. in journalism well, look at what happened to vice magazine initially it was one of the most like free radical provocative like media outlets mm -hmm. there, 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 there was and then it got bought up by a corporation all of the cool people left <laughs> i follow all of those guys now you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these conflict journalists these people that just fly themselves out to oh, war yeah. zones and stuff wow. put themselves in dangerous positions but they they you know they they get these um, they they produce amazing work um they, they produce incredible work that 
that would never come out of something that that, that an investor had uh, had had a hand in because they they don't they don't want to be associated with that level of risk, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it it could it could really blow up in their face, which is you know uh, it's understandable. But if you're if you're really interested in in free expression, because the parkour is all about that, right? Free expression. If you're really interested in that, then um, maybe uh, maybe fully getting um, mainstreamed and uh, becoming respectable isn't the thing that you want to do. It, it really depends where you want to come from and, and and what perspective you want to represent within the sport, right? Yeah. Um, be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's important that you mentioned and yeah, reiterated that we want both ultimately because they support each other to a degree, you know. If we don't have if it's all extreme, then it becomes rather exclusive and exclusionary to people that aren't mm-hmm. yeah. maybe they're extreme in a different domain in their life even but they just they want parkour to be a safe place for them to to do something so we we don't want to reject any of those people but yeah i think it's also super powerful and important and yeah that's those are the people that yeah, tend to I, push the sport into new areas are the ones that are being subversive and not following the mainstream you can't you can't grow something you know by I guess what am I, I don't know how I was going to finish that, but basically, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it doesn't expand when it's, when the structures are supposed to be safe and, and reliable and routine. It's just, mm-hmm. a, it's an opposite direction. They're diametrically kind of opposed motivations. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, yeah, this, the, the, um, the desire for, for safety is great. I, I, like, like I say, I don't want to like discount that. I think that, yeah. you know, that's really important, especially in society in general, like, but also in parkour, like we want to have include, we want it to be as inclusive of pos- as possible and scalable and accessible and everything along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. But but also the the yeah we have to protect the the uh, the other side of things and represent the other side of things. And um, I've I've come I've come up against this with um, talking to people that are anti-competition a lot of the time, mm-hmm. or talking to people that are uh, against some of the media that comes out with parkour, like you know the the kind of uh i would say more traditional i say traditional but like um there's there's kind of a more conservative perspective within parkour like you know they're trying to keep it respectable trying to trying to have this um kind of peaceful warrior mindset and and all this kind of thing and and um and that that's happened in a lot of coaching um but yeah like a lot of people have said you know um, if all you see are the people that are really good at it maybe it's quite off-putting to people that might otherwise join if they saw somebody you know doing it at a lower level mm-hmm. but it's not one or the other why can we not have both yeah it's yeah. the same like skiing is, <laughs> skiing is one of the most popular things and no one thinks that they have to be in the x games to ski you know like you can just <laughs> yeah, go yeah. honey <laughs> hill so it's it mm-hmm. runs a full spectrum there which is good so yeah we want to do you do you have any examples of people or or just actions or things that have happened in the world of parkour or otherwise that you think are good examples of this subversive rebellious spirit and like that, you know, you'd like to see more of, or yeah. that you think are taking us in interesting directions. So I think, you know, early days of Stora, right. Mm. When they first came out, people were really not happy with what they were doing. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember back then. Um, and I, then you had THD. Yep. Um, right. Trial hard collective mm-hmm. with how they represent what they do and their lifestyle. Like yeah. what, what the media that they were bringing out, people were upset about that. Yeah. 
I, generally speaking, if people are upset about something, <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're onto it, something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, Cork Boy takes a fraction of the pot. <laughs> Cork Boy brings some some of that. People were upset with him. I liked that 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 drew reaction out of us. Um, continue, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and and again, like that's not to say everything that 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 does you know like it's not to say everything has value like there needs to be some there needs to be some meaning in that there needs to be some i don't know some depth to it because yeah you could you could say oh look at me i'm i'm creating like subversive content like for example like i'm not saying this is what cork boy was doing yeah but if he's literally just putting himself in danger for a clout yeah like that's a bit different than someone putting themselves in danger because there is some like meditative process or some like um experience that they're trying to convey to you um yeah like uh yeah so so people people that are creating media like that um where there is a like a depth of meaning or 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 at the very least uh an experience that they're trying to convey Mm -hmm. i think that that is um yeah and 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 kind of the the early days of like store is still like they're still doing great content and they're making that that aspect of parkour more accessible to people like the water challenge stuff was great yeah because you know it, it is it's scary to do that stuff the consequences are lower than doing it over you know concrete or something yeah, yeah. still uh quite an extreme not nothing. experience <laughs> yeah yeah um and people don't like you doing that you know they get the you know <laughs> the, the guys that work for the um i don't know what they're called like the uh the little uh keys or whatever you know when they open up and the water rises oh, and they yeah. come out and tell them all yeah <laughs> um all that kind of stuff so so yeah I, I i think i think that kind of media is great and yeah the stuff that, that nate's been doing um as well uh yeah anybody anybody that's like really giving perspective behind that and, and there's been people i've met recently that uh, so do you know uh flynn disney no, I, be, I well, I do and I don't. I don't think I've um, yeah. really gotten to know him much yet, but I've just started paying more attention to him. I, he sounds like a, someone who's also deep thinking about some of these cool um, sort of ad- adjacent to parkour and f- philosophy and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's, I, he's I, a, someone I'd like to talk to for sure. I, I definitely recommend recommend that. I think he would be probably a lot more articulate and, uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, well thought out when when he speaks about this stuff than than I am, but um, yeah, it, his approach to parkour is very experience based. It's very like embodied. Um, and previous to meeting him, my my perspective in, within parkour was like very outcome orientated. Mm. So I would think, you know, I need to do these big things um, mm. because if I don't do these big things, then I'm not good, and I want to be good. So then I need to do these big things, and and my focus was never really in the moment, uh, in the, within the experience, it was always about what will I get out of this? Mm. Um, and, um, and what will this say about me if I do it or if I don't do it? Mm. And, um, a lot of conversations I had with him and like absorbing a lot of the work that he's done, like he, he does these posts and they'll just, it might be like a reel or it might be a, um, a carousel post or something along those lines, but the, the description in it, is just a piece of a piece of writing that's like just like there's so much like depth to it mm. um and it's usually based on some research it's usually like sourced um and again it's, it's, it's like playing the game but subverting the game to a degree you know yeah. he's, he's he's playing instagram he's trying to gain followers and he's like creating 
content that might be easily digestible. But within that content, if you click on and you're you're like a curious person, you'll find this depth underneath it where he's speaking about his experience, where he's speaking about fear and overcoming fear and like um, different uh, different research behind that and all this kind of shit. Um, and another guy I met, another guy that I've trained with a few times, Jay Batrick. Oh yeah, from, no, from yeah. Brighton. Yeah, Brighton Clan, you're representing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the not so much. I mean, the media he creates is is great. He's very artistic. You know, he's he's a really artistic guy. But the the other thing about him as well is like he he sort of has a is like an intrinsic understanding of of the experience because he spent a lot of time, um, you know over over big drops you know mm. over, over in in these extreme circumstances like those are the things that he's practiced quite a lot so he understands like um in maybe not even articulated but like maybe, maybe not even in a way that he'd be able to like write an essay about it mm. but I've, been, I've stood at jumps i was afraid of and he's like just taking the time to speak to me about my experience at that moment and uh and um and yeah, and I think the, the the art that he creates as a result of that, you know, he he has all of this stuff about fear and about, um, you know, coming coming up against, rather than being like, rather than coming up against reality, you're actually in a battle with your own mind and and your own your own conception of like what might kill you, um, and 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 a lot of the the art is inspired by like Memento Mori, you know, remember you must die, mm -hmm. this kind of thing, you know. Um, and it's very extreme, again. And his 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 clothing is a reflection upon a reflection of that. There's there's a depth underneath that. And yeah, I'm 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 seeing a lot of people. There's there's a few people who are doing that. And I just want to see more people like um, play the game, like play the game, but like do something a bit more. <laughs> yeah, evolve <laughs> a bit more it as well. Yeah, change yeah, yeah. the game. Don't let the game change you. That was the fucking <laughs> yeah. what's his name, Malcolm Moore. <laughs> um, yeah yeah shout out to jay batrick as well and and flynn well i'd like to have both those guys on um and talk more about this stuff this is super fascinating i agree 100 percent. i think it's really important to to take all these angles I, I you know one example that popped into my head is and conor mcgregor is not a very um likable guy these days but one of the things that i really loved about his story when he was coming up was because he, he sort of was doing what we're talking about where he changed the way the UFC game was played by being kind of an ass and like doing all these things. But the secret, the magic behind it was that he had to take himself to an insane level of work ethic to be able to do that. Cause he is, mm -hmm. the game is gambling. Like, like you're saying, the game is just like, there's always going to be the guys that are like thinking that they're tough, that they can, you know, sign into the UFC and like, basically uses punching bags for the guys that are just a little more talented become stars and, and build up the brand of the ufc but connor was able to build himself into like almost a bigger brand than the ufc you know in or or such a degree that he leveraged the game that ufc was like playing against itself and became incredibly popular and had to like you know whatever i don't know if anyone knows his story as well as i i've been a super fan for a while but that was like one of the things that i admired about his journey was you know, probably took some luck to do a degree, but you know that he wasn't, he walked into that octagon, you know, for the, for the streak that he had every time, just like he had to be prepared as fuck. <laughs> and, 
and yeah. also he yeah, had yeah. to be kind of insane to like be mm-hmm. taking such risk and keep doubling down on himself you know before he ended up you know coming up short or whatever but anyhow i love i love where you're taking all this yeah. um, but there's there's value in in going there as well i think yeah. there's, there's there are things to be drawn there yeah. um i listened to the conversation you had with um with tim oh I yeah think, recently yeah, yeah. I think that was the last episode yeah so and in in that he was talking about you know trying to watch less of uh less mma because he felt that you know he was being drawn to that by perhaps the effects of trauma in his in his you know in his past and that sort of thing um and and yeah i found, I found that really interesting because i i i've gone I, i've gone through phases of thinking that um being drawn to like extreme <clears throat> circumstances extreme mindsets and being drawn to violence for example or being drawn to all these different things are maybe the the result of maybe only the result of trauma only a negative thing but um i i now think that you know within within your biology as like a human being you know you you have a capacity for violence because you know that's what helped us to survive for so long you know yeah there's 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 the union thing of like you have a uh, biology underpinning your 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 individual subconsciousness and uh that meets your your consciousness like the kind of small part of your brain that's actually yeah able to process information and stuff like you know with you being aware of it um and so so i yeah i i think um i i can see why people think that pushing putting yourself into extreme circumstances putting yourself into extreme mindsets and um being drawn to things like violence or being drawn to like um danger and risk and things like that can seem really negative and can seem almost the maybe the result of some some trauma or the result of some some damage to you but but perhaps there's something within human beings that's that needs to be needs to be expressed as well that it can be done in a productive way that's not actually too damaging like i grew up quite rough and got into a lot of fights and was drawn to a lot of those kind of situations um when i found parkour and when i found weightlifting i found a a way to engage in those similar mindsets but you know that weren't destructive yeah you know what i mean 100 percent. yeah i think that yeah for me the same story to a degree parkour i've I've said it has saved my life because it just gave me a healthy place to put like yeah i had some trauma and things that i was like but like it's not necessarily bad like you're saying i think what you're saying is like these things can be a solution to that trauma a way to heal it and then maybe you know as tim's point is maybe like well ultimately then you when you you might exhaust that healing or exhaust that trauma and you might be like done with the risk if you really do the healing whereas it could sustain itself as a an addiction or an unhealthy thing potentially in your life if if you never actually do the healing but i think that these things can be very healing these extremes for for sure and i also agree that like it's just part of the spectrum of humanity to a degree where if we try to reject it or it's part of you know to bring Jung back into it like it's 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 a part of the um unconscious maybe or just you know it's just a part of what's out there it's an archetype for you know mm-hmm. lack of a better term mm-hmm. and it's and it's going to be expressed either consciously or unconsciously in people that you know mm-hmm. you know want what to you suppress will come out eventually yeah, yeah exactly you know? so yeah. we'll see mm-hmm. um do you think that we will see 
a new kind of type of athlete. You know, I've posited in my head a few times over the last couple of months, like what is going to be subversive about the athlete um, and the extreme athlete even to be more precise or more specific, mm-hmm. you know, in the generations to come, you know, we've seen, is it just going to keep going further and more flips, more twists, bigger gaps, bigger drops, um, harder difficulty moves, or they're going to be added layers of, you know, this subversive content, like more personality in it. I guess it's always been there to a degree anyways, but I'm just curious if, if we're going to see, you know, these philosophies become more important and more a part of the person and the, the, a part of like what we're subscribing to. Cause you have like your huge Mm. examples, like Bruce Lee, it's like, okay, well he was who he was because he was a great martial artist, but also more almost because of like his views and thoughts on life and, you know, obviously he had great success in the film industry, et cetera. But I'm just wondering are these, obviously there's going to be figures like that throughout time, but I'm also wondering if there's going to be a trend upwards in just people being more well-rounded before they're, um, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like basically they, they have to yeah. have more more ideas. It will be, you'll see a decline even in the algorithm, you know, eventually of, of people just yeah. you know dancing in front of camera for you know <laughs> whatever song is trending <laughs> trending that week or whatever but i'm just curious i i don't know if that that's, that's true if 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 it evolves that way or if or if it just is a mm. wave and eventually it goes back down anyways i don't you know well i think uh we've already seen some athletes in the sport that use chemical assistance um seen some questionable russian athletes over the years in <laughs> in, in style um who've made some quite big changes to their physiques in in quite short periods of time and that's and also hallmark signs of uh certain certain substances you know uh kind of giving them a watery appearance so i've I've seen some of that um not utilized in the best way possible i would say in in style Mm. you could you could probably utilize it better in uh in in speed or skill Mm. um you know approaches to the sport um and outside, you know, with power challenges and stuff, we, I think we're yet to see that. Yeah. Um, also, the the use of uh, of other substances to overcome like uh, fearful situations. I think some of that's happening. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. And and I think I think that's going to continue to happen. I think that will happen more and more. And and I think um, um, the other thing I've, I I really enjoyed and I had loads of conversations about this is. Um, I, the the first person I saw doing this was Josh uh, Josh Doey, right? Oh yeah, he's um, he's on my agenda. <laughs> I need to do an episode with yeah. him as well. So he's he's someone that moved like very differently to yeah. a lot of other people, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he was almost like I, I, I kind of you know the the thing of like you have to learn the rules to throw the rules away. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's he's he was um his movement was like so unique and creative and different. And like, it didn't seem like he he really cared too much about orthodoxy about, you know, other people going like, Oh, you're you're not supposed to do do it that way. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm just going to do it this way. And this is how I feel too. He's like truly a creative person, truly out there in terms of, you know, he's not someone that's going to be controlled by like other people's judgment and stuff like that. Um, And, and I, and and you see that with some of the the THC guys and some of you know all the development of ox, off off axis flips and stuff. Mm. Uh, I'd like to see that advance as well. And I, I think you know 
um, there's there's there is scope within those areas, you know, um, within both like. Uh, <laughs> hasten to say it. I'm not advocating for this, by the way. I'm not advocating for like chemical assistance, oh, yeah. by the way. <laughs> but I think we're going to see it. I think we will see that eventually because some someone's going to. I I mean I think I know. I I would know a good approach to, uh, you know, um, using, for example, like performance enhancing drugs. Uh, to make someone way more powerful and oh yeah, uh, but yeah, tell they're, they're always going to be they're <laughs> always going to be limited by connective tissue. That's the only issue. Oh, so okay. that's the only problem. Um, because your joint health, like you can get your muscles nice and strong, right? But your joint health is it's determined by how how good your connective tissue is, how good your non-contractile soft tissue is. So, mm. um, like your ligaments, I don't know and how far... and things, menisci. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. So. And and there isn't really much you can do about that, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Anyway, we're um, working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, once once it gets to the point where people are like putting hydraulics in, in them and stuff like that, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's not really it's not really parkour anymore. I would say, but um, yeah, I, I I can see things getting quite extreme. Mm. Um, and we what, already are seeing that. You what know? other chemicals like, are you? Which chemical are you talking about? Like anabolic steroid use and like other? What other chemicals are you are you? thinking that will well, start to enter the arena more in uh like psychoactive ago. drugs Psycho yeah yeah those yeah i I, I'm, I wouldn't say specifically because i don't know oh, but okay i i, I think but um the, is the is the idea that like certain substances like mdma and or like mushrooms or you know psilocybin or um i mean i don't know like those things would offer an expanded and less fearful mindset like these and and or the yeah. ability to just produce more output or something these things i think so yeah and okay, uh yeah yeah pretty much that like um yeah look uh expanding expanding your 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 mind to like newer like greater potential um and being able to follow through on that um there's probably I, I think yeah i got I've known people in the past that have done that. Yeah. Um, that have used certain things to, to overcome like a fear barrier. Yeah. And, and um, and I'm I, I think we're going to see it more and more. Interesting. I, I, I really do because the especially if if there becomes more money in the sport, if they become if if more money uh, gets into the sport, and we we and also the the um the the, the kind of participation of of like the the number of people in yeah, the sport yeah. increases then the likelihood of, of very extreme people kind of getting into the sport and people that are willing to take those do you, do you, other risks do you think that's gonna... um well yeah no and that's part of that's definitely that's a risky i mean that's subversive you know always mm -hmm. the culture but also do you feel like that's yeah it's I, you know all these things it's it's a risky it's an adoption of risk and that's kind of like what this whole conversation's been about i think it's worth mentioning just like those things can be advantageous and also very easy oh, traps yeah. You yeah. Know, right for people because if you become reliant on that for your fear um over the overcoming of fear then it could be limiting is all i guess i'm saying but obviously it could help you break through a certain limit so it's very interesting with when it comes to yeah those things because yeah it's hard to talk about and anyone needing it because you, everyone's brains built differently and some people they can't make that jump to the next level without some assistance and other people 
they were born yeah. in the fucking stratosphere of those levels and you're just like that guy is, <laughs> just doesn't care you know or whatever but yeah yeah anyways and and yeah this is not this is not like not and i know you're not advocating for necessarily for it you're just yeah, yeah. predicting a little but, but also surge but also um it's like fairness I, a lot of people come into the uh, have an idea of fairness like you you people we we shouldn't let people do that because it's not fair right this idea that there needs to be some some level of fairness and i just when was sport ever fair like <laughs> when was it ever fair like yeah. like you say like some people come into the sport and they have very significant psycho psychological advantage because they they're able to just like for some reason send stuff you know yeah. like really send stuff that are like much higher risk like me for me for example i had to put myself in such like extreme like a really intense mental space to to do some of the stuff that I did when I was younger, that was really high risk mm. that I probably, I, I just don't have the energy to do that now, but like there were other guys that could just do it whilst just being way calmer than me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, yeah, it's, and it's because they were up. way calmer, they can do it better. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. It's so interesting that like, yeah, everyone's born with such a very different profile of characteristics and, often the biggest strengths are also the biggest uh vulnerabilities you know because let's say you are like super extreme by nature then it can take you really easily into a very you know difficult position because you know obviously like you were saying like there's there's two sides of the scale there's the ultimate extreme and then there's you know some restraint and the ability to have like a little bit of discipline and judgment and, and all that Mm. but yeah i mean i don't know where i fall i used to think that i was like pretty extreme and i think that i've balanced out a lot more in the other way and I'll, you know we're always just kind of finding our center i think with these things you know but it's helpful to to get into the headspaces sometimes well i mean i think if you're not getting into those headspaces and you're really not um you're really not uh experiencing like the full range of um <laughs> you're really not putting yourself into a position where you're like getting the full range of the human experience mm. right mm. um this is this is the thing i was going to say earlier about society like you have this really safe society that you live in within in within the west within america and the uk and places like that where we really don't have like a lot of risk that we contend with that's not you know outside of like being like voluntarily taking it on right mm -hmm. um there, there's so from like maybe crossing the road <laughs> occasionally or something like that. Well, right? jaywalking um, for those bad boys and girls out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like you, you don't really, uh, you don't really come across that, you know, um, but there are places in the world like now, you know, Kazakhstan, look at what's happening in Kazakhstan. What's you know? happening in Kazakhstan? There's like, don't know. like a full scale, full scale revolutions happening. People oh, are like, being murdered so in of, the streets. I need to stuff. tap in. <laughs> and, um, and and you know other places in the world that are, that are war torn and, and people find themselves, um, you know they, these these are these are really extreme experiences that people are having and you can fool yourself. This is why I'm talking about reality tunnels, right? You mm -hmm. can you can fool yourself into thinking that your experience, your everyday banal kind of um, uh, you know uh, corporate um, mandated experience <laughs> and uh, state mandated experience, um, you know in in the West and in your kind of safe little community is like that's reality but it's not the to it's not total reality it might be yours but it's not for everybody and and um and yeah like stepping outside of that like expanding your view mm. um and like taking in 
uh, media from uh, you know from these people that are outside of it as well, like independent conflict journalists, mm. like artists that are on the fringe, um, free runners that are putting themselves in those positions and really expressing themselves outside of the the realm of respectability. Mm. That that's uh, that's going to expand your scope and make you see that you know um, there's something beyond you know the the pathway that you're you're placed on. Beautifully said. All right. I think it's time to get into some of these fan questions because I made a post and we got several, we got lots of people that hit me up to ask you a question. And so I'm going to run through them with you. Does that sound good? Or is there anything else you wanted to cover? Uh, no, that's cool, man. Take yeah. your whole evening up for you. But yeah, man. All right. Let's get into it here. Let me just pull it up. How do I do it? This is the first time I've done this, <laughs> as you That's can cool. probably cool. tell. All right. I'll, I'll just share them all with you. We won't have to go into each one of them because some of them we already covered. But Dylan Poland says, get him going on a political rant. I think we checked that box. <laughs> but if there's anything else, if you have anything else you want to, you know, rant on, please. But um, right. <laughs> Vinny Fiocco. No, I'm good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny, Vinny Fiaco, this is his classic. Would you rather fight 30 duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? Mm. Duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? Which ones? Which one do you reckon would be harder? Which which one would be the harder one? You want to do the, the harder one? Harder. I think it's probably harder yeah. to fight one horse sized duck, personally. Yeah. Because I think you could just yeah. boot all these little ho duck horses yeah. in the face. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Duck sized horses, yeah. I like just that. like you you'll be just punting them away. <laughs> like, like there's no yeah, no, nah, the, the the horse sized duck. The horse sized duck. Let's yeah, go. That'll be tough. <laughs> All right, yeah. Look at this. Rising to the challenge. Is that another Thoreau quote? <laughs> but I'm, there's one that's like um two, you know, where when there was two a path forked in the woods and I took the harder one and it just made all the difference or whatever. Who is that? Mm -hmm. You know who that mm -hmm. is? I, I, have, I have no idea. You know. It sounds like I, him. It might almost, be him. But anyway. It, it does sound like him. All right. I love it. Pody Maiku says, what got you into personal training? And what about training keeps you... Oh, my God. Sorry. What what got you into personal training? And what about training others keeps you going? Obviously, uh, you're known for yeah. you know coaching Ed Scott you know, and Tim Champion and Joe Hendo and... Um, I don't know who else, like some, some notable figures in our sport that have competed really highly and, uh, yeah, please go into it. Um, I, I, I what got me into it was like trying to survive and make money <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I'd, I'd spent a lot of time initially I got injured for a very long time. Mm. Um, it was like almost a year when I was like 18 and I was like, how am I going to get out of this situation? Cause you know, all of my identity was wrapped up in parkour and I was just like so depressed and frustrated. And, uh, I went to a physiotherapist and they gave me some body weight exercises to do. And I just felt like this is not doing it for me. This is not really helping me fast enough. Mm. And then I, um, bought like a little weight set and started reading like T nation, um, which was like a, like a bodybuilding kind of and powerlifting, like, it was like, uh, like a, you know, advertorials, you know, like they, they kind of yeah, write yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, <laughs> it was kind of like that because it really was just a front to sell their supplements. But that, <laughs> that's kind of how I got into it really. Yeah. Um, and what keeps, what keeps me going is like, occasionally I'll get messages from clients, like guys in the sport that will tell me like, 
this has really helped me. Uh, and recently got a message from a guy who was having a hard time over the like Christmas period. Oh, yeah. And uh, he said like this, having some routine, something to do has like helped me through this. And yeah. that that's me. Like I initially, when I, when I got into competitions, I wanted to be like, you know, I want to win these competitions mm. and get plaudits, get respect, and, you know, get money and stuff. And actually when, when my, when my athletes would go out and win these competitions, I just felt so much better than I, I felt like th- th- there's no way me winning would feel better than this. Like having helped one of my, one of my best mates, one of my, mm. uh, and then, and then other guys that, you know, needed, needed that, that extra little help, um, helping them, them, them make these achievements. Um, even just giving them a small little leg up, you know, yeah. that was what kept me going with it. Yeah. Yeah. That is the positive side to the, to the reality tunnel, right? Like you created a small little tunnel for people to follow, right? In a way with your program. <laughs> and the, the, these are the benefits. So it's not all bad. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Next we got live like love, live like Lavinia. What does, <laughs> what does he think about PK Degen? Do you follow PK Degen? Barry Hay? I don't know his last name, how to pronounce it, but do you know that? Barry, he. Barry yeah. He, yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's hilarious, man. He's well funny. <laughs> All right, yeah, I've very... got the t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> she also asks, when will he start teaching his dog parkour? Okay, she's a fan. I, uh, I don't know about that. He's he's a big boy. He's like sixty-five kilos. He's 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 not jumping very far. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charlie Havel. What motivated your choice of jackal as your spirit animal? God damn! <laughs> I can't escape this. You know, you know, everybody had names on forums. Like oh, when, when, it was I, before my time. I was sweet treats, but I never really took because I I got into it right as they were ta- tapering off. I was a little fourteen-year-old edgy boy on the forums, so uh, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna call myself Wind Jackal." Oh uh, shit! Yeah, and then um, I think George McGowan and like Ed found some of like found out that that was my nickname for a long time on, oh, on yeah. these forums and now they just call me it all the time and yeah i can't escape it i can't live it down man ah it shows up again <laughs> the jackal's back jackal's hate pretty it. cool <laughs> you hate it oh man is it like egyptian jackals is that what they are where's the jackal is i don't even know what it is it's a dog it's right? like a wild dog it's a wild yeah, dog yeah. <laughs> all right callum matheson 54 what source was your best means of learning oh man i don't know um i uh yeah like i said i've read a lot online Mm. um i read uh so there's a guy um joe defranco who uh trained a lot of guys for the nfl combine and his approach to strength and conditioning was um through uh doing very basic exercises like rather than learning all the olympic lifts and yeah. uh, teaching these athletes even more skills oh yeah he was like no we'll do very basic uh lifts that will get you under enough load to give you the uh the desired outcome in a short period of time and so i kind of followed that guy and also dave tate from elite fts mm. who wrote the periodization bible and then in terms of like uh politics and and philosophy like i just read the the greeks like the greeks um, pre-socratic the pre-socratics and um plato and aristotle and then yeah a ton of other stuff just just read just read man read, <laughs> read. god damn can't go wrong with the reading 
what is so you 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 typically prescribe like deadlift i mean i'm I'm not familiar olympic lifts are like the power cleans and the jerks and snatches and stuff is that what I, mm-hmm. and then you, so, so you like the simple ones like squat deadlift or what, yeah. what is your strategy if you could give it to us in a nutshell because i'm just curious like mm-hmm. if i'm doing um, my shit right because i'm starting to do a little bit of a a few yeah. weeks i'm gonna you know try to get my numbers up for i haven't lifted in a while like seriously but i want to push myself yeah so for parkour i would say like really um uh first of all we want to be explosive right that's pretty much the sport it's being explosive um you want to have a bit of endurance with that as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah so being explosive is about power right power is um it's like maximal force uh and rate so it's like that's like strength and speed so you and and really i think what a lot of people um fall down on is that they try to get fast before they try to get strong Mm. um so you need to be able to produce and manage more force first and then reduce the amount of time it takes to to produce or manage that force right Mm. so uh get stronger then get faster and use the most effective um and least complex movements to do that so squat bench deadlift weighted dip weighted pull up and then any extras are like bonus (laughs) um i have some specific exercises that i use um in my coaching um i keep that like that's you know if you want if you want (laughs) to if you want that hey well go to movementpower.com yeah it'll be movement power training movement power training sorry i'll get the link in the description for sure though someone stole movementpower.com you know someone stole that from god damn (laughs) how did they get it (laughs) They probably haven't done shit with it either, have they? No, they're they're uh, they're yeah. I didn't renew it one year. And oh then it got, um, wow, they usurped got... it from you. Damn, yeah. that's bad. I, that's <laughs> fucked up. Damn. I hope that uh, yeah. I hope I don't lose any of my former domains that I haven't paid for. I don't really have any. <laughs> All right. Oh, question. One lot more question, just for me, is where do you find like? Is it based on each individual athlete and their goals and et cetera. But like, let's say we're talking about someone like Ed, who's obviously mm-hmm. competing and just producing content at the highest level. Where is that boundary between diminishing returns in terms of like how much they focus on their, mm-hmm. you know, strength and conditioning training and, and their movement yeah. training, you know, their whatever technical practice. Mm-hmm. The goal of um, strength and conditioning is not to not to get in the way of the athlete's uh, sport training, but mm. to enhance it. Mm. And so, the uh, the uh, the kind of art of it is balancing it in a way and making it specific enough that you're you are you are enhancing that. You know, there there is a there's a cost to to strength training, like an energy cost and then recovery cost mm. and. Um, yeah, and, and there's a certain amount of capacity that your connective tissues have as well. So, like, you know, if you're adding in more load load bearing and 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 if you're trying to lift quickly at the same time as you're taking a lot of impact as well, that's a lot of force transfer that's happening in the in the in the in the uh, tendons and and things. So, you, yeah, it's it's a it's a balancing act, right? And um, we want to we want to build up. Generally speaking, my my um my strategy is to do just enough um, 
to elicit like adaptation mm. um but not but not so much where because it's you know they're not trying to be a power lifter they're not trying to be an olympic lifter yeah they're trying to be a parkour athlete so you know we, we, we're going to do just what it takes and also um not oversubscribe in terms of uh putting them under so much load because we're not trying to get them as strong as possible as quickly really mm. um we're trying to get them as strong as possible whilst also doing parkour so you have to yeah you know they a lot of the time when I'm, when my athletes start out they'll say this feels really light and really easy and, I, and then i say well good because i don't want you like in the first two weeks absolutely wrecked from your training <laughs> sessions and unable to do parkour but also um you know there, there's there, there's kind of a ramp up period where where we want you know your body to be able to adapt to the additional work um the you know connective tissues to be able to mm. to, to handle that additional load and everything so yeah it's uh it, 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 it i do have a methodology that i use so there is a kind of a template that i use um in terms of it's not necessarily a template like it's not automatically generated or anything like that yeah. it's not cookie cutter um but i use similar exercises i use a similar um methodology in which we have like different phases that we go through like six week blocks oh, yeah. with different um different uh focuses um but uh yeah everybody's circumstances are different everybody's coming to it from a different place like some people might have done loads of sport before they might have a fair bit of muscle um they might have some history of doing some weight training other people might come in and they've done nothing and they've just started parkour mm -hmm. so what yeah. i prescribe to them is going to be entirely different yeah yeah 100 percent. okay thank you for that all right we got more brad wendez opinions on the recent parkour uk clusterfuck <laughs> which I, um, I don't know you might have like briefly referenced it as we were talking about how they're but i don't know what the clusterfuck is that he's referring to do you uh, yeah you can uh, i wrote a, an article on it on jumpdisclosure.com which is um uh where i'm trying to do a bit of journalism um, jump disclosure i've so heard on, of this i need to get on jump disclosure. yeah I, uh, is that you or I is that used... you and others or who it's me it's me for now but i'd like to get other people involved um i'm just trying to do more in-depth uh journalism that's like no bells and whistles just just kind of uh just writing and reporting on different things happening within parkour um and uh and yeah so i wrote an article there um initially jump disclosure was a podcast that I was trying to run which was going to just going to be like weekly parkour news uh -huh. um and i, I assume I'm not very consistent when I do stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty bad at being consistent. Um, I'm guilty as well, man. Can't talk. <laughs> but uh, at least with uh, when I'm like writing articles and stuff, it can just stay there, and you know I can come back to it when I feel inspired to do that. So, but yeah, the the Parkour UK thing. Um, yeah, I don't really want to talk too much on it outside of the article, just because um, it references some documentation and it it goes into some detail, and I'm also going to be speaking to some people from parkour uk next week okay. uh for more um more perspective on that so i um i will i will be writing another article on it after i've had the conversation with them cool um and gotten gotten some more some more like sources as well well i'll be sure to put this and i can't wait to read it um yeah i'll put that all that in the description as well thanks i'm looking forward to the jump disclosure i like that name too all right we got steven PK713, if you agree, what makes someone a professional athlete? 
and he yeah, also I mean, asks this is the same question but what are your thoughts on calling people calling themselves a professional athlete i, I don't really care like i don't why <laughs> why does it matter it doesn't matter does it like who cares like you can call yourself that and great like I think there's only really a handful of like if we're if we're defining it as people that do it as a profession and, and only get paid from it, um, only get paid to do parkour. Who who's doing that? Like who's, who's I don't who's know anyone doing actually who's doing that really. <laughs> That's yeah. It's, it's... But call yourself it. It sounds cool, man. Yeah. I don't care. Like... Yeah, yeah. It's a marketing gimmick. It's marketing yeah, yeah. yourself. That's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's like even when you talk about the big wigs in the game, like the doms and the stores of our world, they're not getting paid to just do parkour. They're getting paid to produce content and edit and create and lots of other things in addition to their awesome parkour Mm -hmm. training. Uh, But anyhow, maybe maybe that is what being a a professional parkour athlete is. I I have no idea. Um, It's not a protected term, you know. Yeah. uh, It's not prescribed term, so. All right, good questions though. Okay, he's got one more. What what do you think are the main pillars to create a well-rounded parkour athlete? Um, beyond the, the the kind of physical pillars, which would be you know um, strength, speed, endurance, resilience to injury, that kind of stuff. Um, you'd have to be uh, proficient in like. Very, like to a high degree proficient in the basic techniques. Um, and then also uh, beyond that, maybe um, working towards uh, breaking or for maybe working towards like doing, do, uh, I don't know, <laughs> working, uh, breaking out of the, uh, the kind of the field of um, intermediate practice. So doing things in like an advanced way and, but that can mean a number of different things. That could be like doing bigger things, or it could be doing things that are outside of the box in terms of creativity, or it could be doing very extreme things. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, so m- maybe not, maybe the, the first thing I said, doing bigger things, maybe that should be doing harder things because, mm. yeah, the, I, f- I feel like there's like three different routes you can go down. It's like doing like technically hard things, doing like physically massive things that are very scary. Mm-hmm. And then doing like really creative things, and um, yeah, that and that's that's a mental pursuit, right? That's not really a physical pursuit. Yeah, I agree. I think there's almost four things there because there's the physically massive things, and then there's the very scary, which are kind of two different things in in my world. Maybe, yeah, because it's like you could do something super impressive physically on the ground, like a twelve foot yeah. jump or something. You're just like, holy fuck! Like it, it still took insane <laughs> effort and probably dedication to get that, but maybe there's no consequence. No, and, you're, you're right. Yeah. And yeah, there's things that are just like true. super impressive that probably don't require much output, but they're super scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Two more questions. We got Ollie Dury. Why is Bristol the best English city? It's not, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's oh, where, yeah. it's where I grew up. Right. And yeah. I've got a lot of love for that city, but it's terrible. It's terrible now. It's not, it's not the best. Brighton's the best city. Oh yeah, <laughs> Brighton, baby. Yeah. All right, it's good to know that. Just in case I um, <laughs> have to make a move, I want to get out there again this year if I can. Um, it is the uh, last question we've got from Sam Co Sam Copic, I think. 
Is it true mm-hmm. you've never drank water? This is such nonsense. Even only energy drinks. Is it true you've only ever drank energy drinks? Obviously, that's not true, right? Oh yeah, only ever energy <laughs> drinks. What I do, I, I've actually got um, my taps in my house, and I switch them on. It's just, it's uh, it's just Monster. Do you, know, do you guys have Monster? We got yeah. Monster. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, White Monster. That's what I have at the taps. <laughs> and right. then I shower. I shower in Red Bull. Oh yeah, that's so much do. better for yeah, your yeah. skin, Red Bull. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you for transdermal. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I like that code yeah, red. Absorbed. That's not really a Mountain Dew. Oh no, I like that Rockstar too. You know, Rockstar. I do Rockstar <laughs> on my face, and I do Red Bull yeah, on the yeah. back. All right, um, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. I can't wait to to read your article and and uh, just you know get more well read myself, so I can dive deeper to you, with you next time. All right. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity, man. Uh, yeah, really, really appreciate like the ability to kind of get on and, and talk to you about this stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's like really interesting conversation. Really, um, more, more, more conversations. You know, need to be had that are you know kind of on the periphery of parkour that like kind of bleed into other subjects. I think that's like that's the most interesting stuff to listen to a lot of the time. I am in hundred percent agreement. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. We'll catch you hopefully soon. All right, all right. That was episode 105. Thank you guys for joining. And much love to Tom Taylor for being a part of that one. Hope you guys will find everything you need to in the description. And support the podcast in the same way. And support Tom and what he's doing. And got COVID. 